Hi, I am Lebulain and this is the Disruptors series powered by the Lessons with Lion podcast. Disruptors is an interview podcast series that gives you a glimpse into the perspectives of the exceptional African disruptors who've achieved extraordinary feats in their industries. On this podcast, you will get to know the Afri-millennials behind the disruption. Tune in to our candid conversations by searching for Lessons with Lion on Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, we're in conversation with Nicolette Machile, more commonly known as the Financial Fitness Bunny. I'm a young girl from Bushbuck Ridge, I'm very aspirational. I always say I'm whatever the situation calls me to be, you know. Mm. Um, the one thing I do believe in is service, um, people development. So I, I, I can fit into any mold that anybody wants me to fit in, coming obviously with my own um, ambitions and aspirations and the way I do things. Mm. So I, I then realized that there's actually quite a lack of information when it comes to financial literacy for us, for people that look like me. Because you can listen to the Suze Osman, you can listen to the Dave Ramseys of this world, the Tony Robbins of this world, um, Warren Buffett. But at the same time, you've got to listen, look at the context in which they're preaching those kind of things, you yes. know. If we're going to write a bio, I am a social <laughs> entrepreneur. I am apparently in media. So I do, I was saying, I do TV as a side hustle, guys. Not a real thing. Um, yeah, I am a financial literacy champion. I think more than anything, I, I want people to do good. I want people, I want to see people, you know, I want to break down structural issues and structural barriers. So that's what I'm about. Yeah. I love that you said financial literacy champion because yeah. it doesn't overly like confine you to one thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's got a why in it. I really love that. Yeah. As a marketer, you know, these are the things that we see and we get excited about. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that you were in media and whatever. I remember I, re I, I was actually on your YouTube channel and I was looking Scary at one of your first. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's awesome. And I was looking at one of your first videos and you were outside Nitrogen. I think it was your second last day or something oh, like yes. that. Oh, yes. And you wanted them to open for you. So how do you they leave... took my key away. <laughs> so how do you leave an advertising agency and go into self-employment, freelancing and finance, which is completely different for to me, advertising? Yeah. 
Look, um, there are various reasons that uh, probably the first time I'll, I'll vocally speak about the reasons why I left Nitrogen. Um, I worked in an advertising agency and um, you, when you work in an advertising agency, there's a lot that goes on. And one of the things is that your integrity will get tested quite a lot. Um, there's money flying around, there's people, you know, wanting deals, please let's do this. So you get to a point where you're like, um, this is not me, this is not what I'm about, you know, I don't want to have a Sunday Times front page, <laughs> you know, coming out. Um, and it was not necessarily because of where I worked or the people that I worked in, I was just in a space where I was starting to get um, unwanted uh, attention from a lot of people. Mm. I think also looking at, at, you know, I went into advertising not having the right qualification. So when you don't have a qualification, you walk into a corporate company and you think everybody knows that you don't have a qualification, so you always overcompensate. Achieve mm. uh, my first three years of working in advertising and PR, I did a lot that did not even correlate with my KPIs. So sure. when people, people are very opportunistic, when they see that you're a hard worker, they start to want to drag you into things that make absolutely no sense. That's the one side. The other side was... Um, I, I woke up probably in a week, I woke up almost three or four times at 3 a.m. every single morning panicking, mm. right? Panicking about whether we had done the work. Did we do it correctly? Did we send this invoice? Was this paid? So I, I realized that the job was not just taking the eight hours that I was at work. It was taking my entire life, mm. 24 hours. And there's no one who can compensate you for 24 hours. If you work just your salary right now for the eight hours, if you divide it by that, you realize that you really are working for peanuts. Yeah. And um, I started reading around the economics of time at that point, And I was like, I feel that there's so much more that I could do with my time, mm -hmm. that I could maximize my time in a far more efficient way. Um, and also working at, at in a corporate company, especially an advertising agency that small, you, you are doing everything. You know, if you're running a project, it's you. There's no copywriter. You are writing the copy. You're doing everything. And over and above that, you are managing everybody else. So I, I, I had no time to build my own things. I had no time to, to do what I really truly believe in, and that's be a, serv a server to people. So, it, yeah, and that's, that's really how I left. I left with no plan, by the way. No plan. That was the worst mistake I made. Really? Yeah. No, Why? that was certainly... Look, when you leave um, a, 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 a job that has financial security you start to learn a lot about yourself. You start to learn a lot about what the money compensated for that you might not have. You see, people talk about self, self, um, what's the word? Uh, Actualization. Self, uh, yeah. Knowledge. And, and also lack self-love and all sorts of things. But mm. when you are in the midst of constantly doing something and working on something and, and having money to compensate for all of those things, there is very little time for you to really realize who you are. Mm. And um, for the first time in my life, I had to now be with my thoughts, <laughs> be with myself. <laughs> and unfortunately, I wasn't ready for that. Mm. You know, I don't know. I, I was saying to somebody um, at Nitrogen, I was overpaid. Fact. I'm not going to pretend. You know, I was really overpaid because they threw money in, at me. Um, and um, it, for the first maybe four or five months, I tried to get back into corporate in 2017. Really? Yeah, no, I sent out my CV. Yo, I sent it out. But I was overpaid at Nitrogen. No one could match that salary, you know? Mm. 
and I I did not have the emotional intelligence to realize it at that time. So again, as I said, you start to sit with yourself, and now you start to doubt. But see, man, at Nitrogen, it was this hot shot client services director. Why are these other agencies not willing to pay me the same amount of money? Was I even good at my job, or was it just circumstantial? You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I spent four 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 months that doubting myself, doubting my abilities, and. The funny thing is that, so I talk, there's a video that I do on YouTube where I talk about how I made a million rand, right? Um, and, the, the, and and then there's a there's a saying about financial, what? Financial, wealth is not, what? You can't, have, you can't be wealthy in the absence of financial literacy or something like that. Financial okay. literacy is the consequence, uh, wealth is a consequence of financial literacy. Yeah. I beg to differ. Okay. You know, when you are in abundance, it's easier to follow the money rules. It's very easy. It's easier to budget when you're in abundance, right? Yes. Um, it's easier to, to invest. It's easier to make money moves when you've got it in abundance. Mm. Um, so for the first time, now, first f- four months of my 2017, that money wasn't coming in, you know? Um, so what do you do now? Because now you've got to actually budget. Now you've got to actually look at yourself and, and understand where you are, what are you doing. And I, I, I went back to studying uh, the economics of time and I was like, actually, there is so much more that I can do. So 2017, I spent it studying to do financial education because mm-hmm. I also realized that there were so many financial decisions that I made without thought. Um, I mean, why, why buy property? You know, yeah. at that point, there was no way I could sit and explain to somebody why I went into property, but it, because it was the right thing to do, that's what you were told. Um, why certain money moves that are made, you know? Um, so I, I then realized that there's actually quite a, lock, a lack of information when it comes to financial literacy for us, for people that look like me. Because you can listen to the Suze Osman, you can listen to the Dave Ramseys of this world, the Tony Robbins of this world, um, Warren Buffett's, but... At the same time, you've got to listen, look at the context in which they're preaching those kind of things, you yes. know? Um, the one thing that I, I, funny enough, I only got to realize just last week was that when we teach financial education in this country, we talk about needs and wants. Mm-hmm. But the one thing we forget is aspiration. Mm-hmm. So we, when, when you talk to Africans about financial education, you've got to slot in aspiration as something there. Because, yes, I need a car, Right. But what kind of a car am I going to get? Because yeah. at the same time, I don't want my kids to struggle and be driving. I mean, I always say, my mom, for those people who think I come from a rich family, <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> nah. Uh, we won, We were driving in an Isuzu for a very long time, a red bucky Isuzu, a single cab, and it didn't have wipers. The wipers were not working. <laughs> so we would need to wipe with a potato. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I vowed. I said, never. Yeah. Not me. You know, never, ever. Now, if I'm that kid who says never, ever. So psychologically, I've made a a, a decision in my head. Now I come and become a working person. And then people are going to say to me, don't buy the Mercedes Benz. Excuse me. I said never, ever to a bikey. Exactly. Now, so, so yes, it's it's a need, but there's more aspiration that goes with it over the need part of it, right? Yes. So obviously now my, my affordability and my and my aspiration don't langana. What do I do now? And and, and I think that was why I, I went into financial education. I wanted to start breaking first of all to have 
straight up conversations because we people don't speak about money and it's problematic right mm -hmm. that's number one number two let's change the narrative around financial education so that it looks like us it sounds like us and it is for us unfortunately while you're doing that you're going to to to, to offend some people you're going mm -hmm. to touch people on their studios right um trigger you're gonna <laughs> trigger people you're gonna you end up becoming what do they call me on twitter they call me the girl who likes to shame poor people oh my god you can't be serious <laughs> oh no yes i'm the little black bitch who likes to shame poor people wow okay yeah so i think that's yeah that's i, I went in I, I almost say financial education yeah it's it's Again, people don't really know what I do because I, financial education does not put food on my table, guys, mm. by the way. Because here's another thing people don't understand. I did marketing. My clients, I'm a B2B company. Yes. I'm not a B2C company, right? Yes. So in as much as I do videos, I my videos are not... If When we talk about monetizing what I do, it's not from a label lion, yes. right? It's, yeah. it's, it's from a standard bank. Exactly. Because that's what, that's, that's what my company is about. So... Um, I, I, I do I do actually do media buying. That's my actual business, okay. right? Yeah, media buying and media placement and media strategies and brand activations. That's what I do. Um, so you'll find that on weekends, I'm managing promoters. That's what I actually do. Financial education feels more like a calling. And I know that sounds cliche and whatever, but it, it, it is because, dude, um, 2017, June to December, I was depressed. I was properly yes. depressed. And it wasn't, I wasn't depressed because of my own issues. Yeah, well, maybe they, they contributed. But was the emails I was getting from people, you know? What kind of emails? I became an outlet for people to say, dude, uh, my husband doesn't know how to manage money. We're always fighting in the house about money. Oh, Nicola, this is how much I earn. I actually can't do anything, you know? So you start, you start to have some sort of understanding um, of people's financial situations mm. and there's nothing you can there's really nothing you can do you know and 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 the thing is we think that financial education is going to save the world no 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 <laughs> yeah. no no yeah <laughs> for many reasons no for many reasons no um yeah. and and i think one of the biggest reasons is the fact that financial education not in action doesn't mean anything you know, um, yes. if you, if, if no one puts it in, I always give this example and I gave this example to a lady yesterday when I worked for nitrogen, our client was the South African national roads agency. Now Sandral at some point, um, sat with its engineers, very, I mean, some of the best minds in this country. Right. Mm -hmm. And they decided they were going to build a road between Johannesburg and Durban, probably one of the biggest and most busiest routes, right? The N3. They wanted to build what is called a bypass. And the reason why it's a bypass is because it was going to go around Harris Smith. Now, Harris mm. Smith thrives because of the entry, mm. because people stop there. It's the midway stop people. So the businesses in Harris Smith thrive because of the entry. So when you build a bypass, you're basically killing business now in Harris Smith. Yes. So business uh, industry in Harris Smith up in arms, right? Um, ministers came on involved. Everybody was like, nah, y'all can't do this. But the engineers could give you a solid reason as to why that road needed to be built. N3 kills people. Um, I mean, uh, for, for, from a safety reason, lighting, mm. um, you know, sh shorter driving if you're on this new road. So what Sandral essentially was doing was they were imposing a solution on people who were not looking for a solution. Mm. And I find that financial education is like that, right? Mm. I'm in a space where save budget buy assets 
you know so yeah so it, it is difficult to stay in i'm not gonna lie to you it's something that i've I, i'm as i said i'm a i'm a i i fit into the mold whatever i get called to do in the next three years i could be doing medicine whatever you babes so Nicolette, you've touched on so many I know. things. Like you were talking and I was like, okay, I have to ask you that question and that question and that question. <laughs> yeah. So let's just start from the top and yeah. then we'll work our way down because it's literally in different parts of what you said. Okay. Imposter syndrome. Let's talk about that because you mentioned that, you know, working there without a qualification and then you want to work harder because you think everyone can see. Let's talk about imposter syndrome, especially as an African, mm. especially as a black woman. Look, we we have we grew we grow up being told we are nothing. Uh, um, you are lucky if you grow up in a household where your parents um, are, are, are celebrating you, they're encouraging you to go for it. And even then, there's only so much that your parents can do because you are highly um, impacted by what society says because you are constantly in society. Mm -hmm. Society has built what they think is a black woman, right? Um, so. If you don't fit into that mold, then wapap, then you are loud, then you are independent and you are rude and you are everything, right? So what, and, and, and it's funny because uh, I was having a conversation with a man about this and he was talking about how these young girls, Baba Aja, you know, Baba Aja, I arrive eight gang in a squad. What do you do? Because one round is 800, right? And um, I said, Bala, look, Isa, it's good. No, they must do that, and they must keep doing it. Be and, and then he's like, yeah, and they've got no conversation. You can't even have a proper conversation. But that's what you guys said a black girl is. You guys said she must be like that. You guys said she mustn't speak out. When she speaks out, all of a sudden she's too independent for you. She's too rude. She's too clever. She's too whatever. You know? So, so because society has done that to us, we are constantly feeling like, you know, we've got imposter syndrome, not even just in the spaces that we operated in the world, man. Mm. You know, um, we, we don't, we, we, we are fighting this thing of, do I belong? Do I deserve? Can I be comfortable? You know, even in relationships, you know, mm. we've been told that, you know, you've got to be picked off the shelf. So you've got to wait for someone else to pick you off the shelf. So half of the time you're dating this person, you're not even sure if you're good enough to be in Smakoti. So it's, it's, it's ingrained in every single aspect of our life. You know, you in the workplace, you you constantly, you don't get promoted based on your achievements and what you, you do well. When they promote you, it's almost like an aha shame. You've been here for too long, you know, mm. now we got to push you up, you know. It's, it's not merit-based. It's never merit-based. So there's a lot of structures that perpetuate uh, imposter syndrome, especially in a, in a young black woman. And um, we have to be the people that start to break it. We And, and, and it, it can only happen if we start celebrating even the small achievements. The problem is that people beat down your achievements so much to make you believe that that imposter syndrome you had, it's actually true. Mm. So this achievement that they've been, they just gave you, it's out of pity. No, babes, I worked. Allow me. And and yeah, there's one word I hate in this country that is thrown around every privilege. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I hate that word. I hate what people have done to that word, right? Yeah. Um, so don't don't bring down what I have done to a mere privilege. Yes, I recognize that because of everything that has happened, I may be privileged, but don't reduce my achievements to privilege. Who's calling you privileged? I think, I think, you know, we, we, we are called privileged by people that look from the outside. 
So, and, and, and funny enough, I had a huge fight with a friend of mine because we were having a conversation about um, the bullies, me getting bullied on, on Twitter quite a lot um, based on what people think they know. And she was like, yeah, but I can understand them. And I said, no, I don't need you as my friend who knows where I come from, who knows how much I have worked for you to come and call and say you understand where they come from. I don't even want you to understand where they come from. because co-signing their abuse. Thank you. And, 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 and for me, it's a don't call me privileged until you've sat down with me and had a conversation so that you can actually understand that I have created privilege. I don't come from privilege, right? So... Being able to sit in my house, as people say, and just oh, 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 budget. it's really because I have had to build that 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 privilege, right? I never you had that privilege. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of, uh, it's, it's always from outside. Um, somebody yesterday was telling me about something Kelly Kumalo said, you know, you are, you are on the fifth floor. And people are on the first floor and they're busy barking insults at you and they're looking up and they're barking. Now you gotta get dressed, put your makeup on and walk all the way down. And then literally get meddled up in their mess and then walk back up. No, that's just too much effort, right? So look, and as much as I hate the word privilege, and in actual fact, I hate what people have done to the word privilege. It's almost similar to what they've done to the word stock fail, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I've, I've now decided that I don't engage on those kind of conversations. So, you know, the, the word privilege for me, again, does what it perpetuates imposter syndrome. Yes. It's you are now saying to a person, uh, didn't work hard, you've got privilege. Now my imposter syndrome is going back because I'm like, hey, maybe I don't deserve, mm. maybe I didn't work hard, you know, because clearly it was because my name is Nicolette and I don't have a, 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 an African name. So clearly the white people like me. That's my privilege. <laughs> ah, come on. Y'all, y'all need to relax <laughs> on that stuff. Eh? People have a lot to say, man. They really do have yeah. a lot to say. And I mean, I know I didn't actually want to go into this privilege thing too much, but mm. you've made some amazing points. Mm. How would you define privilege? And if you came from a privileged background, would you still be saying what you're saying? I think, I think, I think the first thing that people need to do is to recognize when there is privilege versus somebody else. Because what you deem as privilege might not be privilege to someone else. So if mm. I'm sitting with, um, with a... a Somebody, I mean, Ramaphosa's children. I was about to say, yeah. you know, Robert Gumeda's kids. Yeah. My little, I had a bike when I was growing up. They just like, oh, that's normal for us. You know what I mean? So I, I think the most important thing is for you to define privilege for yourself and accept it and, and refuse another person's definition of privilege to you. Not refuse its existence, but refuse it to yourself. Because here's the other thing that people seem to get very, very mistaken. Uh, two truths can coexist, guys. Like your truth and my truth can walk hand in hand together. We don't always need to have a right and a wrong, right? Um, unless now we're discussing war and, and world peace. Mm. But um, that's a story for another day. So what, what would be considered as privilege for me? I think privilege is is being able to draw an advantage from a certain space that somebody else might not be able to do. Mm. And... If you look at my family, I mean, and as much as I said to you, we drove around, my mother drove around in a beat up um, thingy. My mother always told us that we were rich. 
I grew up knowing I was filthy rich. Okay. <laughs> I grew up think I grew up my mother always said we're rich, we're rich, you know, um and she ingrained that in us that we're rich and for the life of me and and we were, as I said uh, before we we started recording, uh, we were ripped away from my mom at the age my I was 8, my sister was 10 and we were put in a in a in a in a flat you know, in Nelspet to go to a better school. Mm. Now that is privilege, right? Because the kid and in, in Bushback Ridge who's looking at Bridget and I is thinking, geez, these kids are, are studying with white kids, so they are privileged. Mm. But do you know the circumstances we had to live in in that apartment, you know? So yeah, I always cry when I talk about this. It's crazy. Mm. <laughs> so people can, can call a situation because they're from the outside looking in as mm. privileged. You know, yes, they get to go to an English school, a multiracial school, whatever. They get to go to school with white kids. They're getting better education. But we grew up with no mother, you know? Mm. My mother wasn't there. Ooh, wow, I'm emotional. You know, guys, it's so funny because <laughs> Nicolette is speaking so many truths, but her facial expressions <laughs> <laughs> yeah. make me laugh, and I'm so yeah. Sorry. No, it's fine. You know, um, I'm a very, uh, uh, I'm a very, ex- my face is very expressive. Expressive. So, um, I grew up as a kid, and, and it's funny because I always have this conversation. I, I peed or urinated um, up until I was twelve. Mm. Don't they have and, a name for that condition? Uh, I forgot the name. And, and a lot of people will be like, ooh, why? But being moved from your mom mm. and living in a flat with your sister perpetuates that, you know? Um, so that's why I say people, people walk around calling people privileged and you must recognize your privilege. Yeah, it's easy to say that. But I, I'm, is, it, is it possible that I might not see this privilege? Mm. I would have loved to have been with my mom. I mm. every morning. You know, yes. um, versus having to eat chicken that my dad would have bought. And, and the thing is, people will say, yeah, but this and this and that. Yeah, Opportunity is not always privilege. Thank you. It, they're, very, they're two very different things and people mix very, it up all the time. All the damn time, yeah. you know. Um, in actual fact, in as much as that was probably one of the best decisions my parents made for us, mm. when we look at it, it wasn't. Mm. You know, when Bridget and I sit and think about it, and in actual fact, Bridget and I, from that entire experience of 1997, we only remember the bad things. Imagine. We only remember the bad experiences. I mean, there was a day my sister went to school. We both went to school and we had no food. Mm. And it wasn't because my dad was neglectful or my dad didn't care about us. It was simply because he also wasn't in a... He, he didn't have the capacity to bring up two daughters. Mm. You know, he didn't know what to do. You know, men don't natu- uh, naturally have that nurturing spirit. So for him, bed, accommodation, <laughs> school, done. done. That is love, yes. you know. But these are kids that are Bridget, I mean, at 10, going into puberty, you know, getting mm. her period. It's, it's, it's a lot that a lot of people don't seem to understand. And people will use that and they you know, say it's privilege. But... Yeah, man. I mean, it didn't get any better. You move from that. I moved into, from from living in an apartment, we moved into a house with my dad. Again, you're living with a man. From there, I went into boarding school. I was the first black kid in my boarding school. Mm-hmm. Do you know the abuse I got? I mean, there were times in the, in the, in the dining hall where we were not, uh, the white kids wouldn't sit with me. They just simply wouldn't sit with me. I had to sit with the teachers. I'm not discussing school marks. <laughs> and they're just speaking Africans. Okay? <laughs> Africans through and through. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. 
I went far with that, but whatever. No, it's okay. I mean, this is what disruptors is about. It's yeah. about showing the human side of mm. people who are disruptors. Because sometimes people look at you and they think your life is perfect. And they forget to see you as a human being. And that's what we all are at the end of the day. And that's why our messages resonate with each other. Mm. Because we're all people. Mm. Mm. More than we are, I don't know, popular on social media or mm. wherever. So I'm really glad that you went into that point so people can understand mm. Your story. I mean, gosh, I've got so many questions to ask you. <laughs> okay. I'll try and keep my responses short. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into financial fitness, Bunny. Okay. So, how did you go from 2017 looking for a job, being depressed at some point, and then taking power of the situation and becoming the financial fitness bunny? Look, um, again, uh, it's it it for me. Financial education felt a lot like it was something I had to do. Like. Even when I tried to not do it, it, it would come, you know, there would be somebody asking just a simple question. And I think at some point I had to do a U-turn and learn that what I think people are supposed to know, people don't know. Um, you sit in there and somebody says to you, what type of interest rate should I get on my house? And you're like, what are you asking? I mean... You know, you think it's a dumb question, but that's when I realized that, you know, money doesn't care who you are. Money doesn't care what color you are. Money doesn't care what you look like. If you don't know the rules, you are going to lose. It's it's really that simple. There's no... You can't go around it. You can't even cheat the system. Mm. So um, if you do not understand how money works, you are never going to win. And a lot of us don't understand how money works. I mean, I, I as, as I'm going, I'm constantly finding something every single day that I'm just like, oh, this is why my things have not been working, you know? Um, and, and then over and above, just knowing the rules of money, you've got to know them in the context of being an African child, coming from the home that you come from, you know? We have a lot of money. So I always say... Um, one of the biggest jobs that's going to come or the biggest need is going to be money psychologists, you know, um, because specifically for African people, specifically for African people, you know, as I said yesterday, I was sitting with one of the financial institutions. And what I realized from that conversation was the fact that it was, it, it, it's so, it's always easy to sit on the other side and say, oh, but why don't you guys save? Why do black people like doing this? Why do black people like funeral covers? Why do black? And I'm just like, excuse mm -hmm. me. You guys built the system that we are now operating and you guys created it. You perpetuated being being a black child and wanting a funeral cover, you know? Um, so I, I think the reason why I, I, I really did move into space of financial education and keep staying in it is because I, I want Africans to prosper. Man, like, Chalete doesn't care. Let's all prosper. And it's possible. But we can only do it when we have the literacy. When you make decisions from a space of knowledge, you make them with confidence, you can back them up, and you know what you are doing. You know, when you make them from, a, an, from an illiterate perspective, you are constantly disadvantaged. That's very true. You touched on another <laughs> topic that could be its own podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we spoke about basically black tax, you know, the yeah. African child knowing how to have money conversations with their family. And I, I actually think it's a video you have. You have yeah. a video about that on YouTube. So let's talk about that. I was listening to a radio show actually on my way here. Mm. And one lady called in and she said her grandmother taught her that givers sleep peacefully mm, mm, but mm. takers eat well 
and they do, hey. <laughs> Yo, and they do, hey. So let's go into that black tax, black family money conversation. So the question is, do you want to sleep well or do you want to live well? You've yeah. got to pick a decision. Look, um, black tax, black tax is hard. It's hard because the people that and 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 I, and I want to speak nuclear family now. So um and and which again is a difficult conversation to have because not all families are nuclear, right? Um, I, I for, for instance, I came to Johannesburg for the first time in 2010 and I was constantly shocked at how many people don't live with both their mom and dad. I was like, hey man, where, where are your parents? You know, and it's quite an ignorant stance because when you grow up in the rural areas, there's generally more people that would live with their mom and dad than people who are not. So, so, so you must understand then that my ideas are probably shaped around having a both parents in the house and not necessarily growing up you know so and for me it, i i always will speak on the intimate family structure versus those who will speak on an extended family right so um black tax for me when i look at it and, and, and i'll give an example of when black tax hit me the hardest i or my sister in fact because i never recognized it when i put it imposed it on my sister i failed my degree came to johannesburg in 2010 had no place to stay. So obviously, my sister must give me somewhere to stay. She's got an apartment. Do I care that she's a one bedroom? No. Do I care that I'm imposing myself on her? No. There's an expectation. Because we grow up being told that this is your sister. So you cannot just... right? So my expectation of my sister was that she is meant to take care of me. So black tax is... is, 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 is closely tied to ubuntu because it, it is it is what the principles that we are taught about family that will then perpetuate a black tax right but at the same time it's about how you want to perceive black tax for me that is really important a couple not in a couple of years when my little sister violet started uh first dm my dad says to me go to vega and go pay registration <laughs> like eh? <laughs> sorry you know, registration is 10 grand at that school. Mm. There's an expectation from him that I should be able to do so, mm. right? The first thing I asked was, hey man, you guys work for government. Why didn't you plan for this child? Didn't it hit you by surprise that Violet was going to start first year? Did y'all not know she was in matric? You know, um, so so there is a there is a generally a, an expectation from all sides, but also you yourself, you self-impose some of the black tax because you believe that there's an expectation from you mm. and therefore you must act out, you must act that expectation out. So I think what we need to do as young people, if we do not want to perpetuate the stance of forever having a black tax, we are going to have to make financial sacrifices. And unfortunately, someone is going to have to do it. And if not us, then who? You know, because if we leave it, it means that the next generation is also going to have to deal with the same issue of a black tax. So I think that, um, for instance, I need to make the financial... And, and hmm, here's my thing. Here's my thing that I fight with when it comes to financial planning. So I don't believe in financial planning. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying people must not plan their finances. What I, my biggest problem is that financial planning, if you speak to a financial planner or an advisor right now in this country, their model is modeled around white people because those are the people who generally win. So their entire research is based on those people, right? How they live their lives. 
and why people are what very nuclear family orientated you know we take care of our kids the other people must take care of their kids right so you sit then with a problem where they will sell you financial products that are going to push out a cash injection at the end why because you've already carried old money into your generations so there isn't a need for ulebu to buy a property and carry it over to the next generation there isn't a need for label to carry a family business because you're all working in the family business already right what they then do is they come to black families who don't have the old money who don't have the assets that they're carrying over and they are pushing for cash um, um cash payout type of financial products retirement annuities pension funds whatever now the problem is we know how people are psychologically what does your grandmother do when she gets her retirement paycheck out what does she do the first thing right so and then that inru is not an inru that we aspire to live in when we now are adults right so it's, it's not essentially actually an investment that she's putting in so you give people that money and most of the time it's they'll extend the house or they'll see it as free money so within a year it's gone when she passes on we bury her with the funeral covers it's almost as if she never existed right whereas old white people will carry assets that financial planning uh, pension fund that pays out is used for holiday whatever excursions khomanati bapila takes care of them when they're in their retirement but in their will label gets my house in hartis tandega gets my house wherever there are things that are being passed on. So we need to start being able to look at how black people's lives are, how they are modeled, so that we can start doing proper financial planning that is modeled around Tabantabamnyama. In other words, if we're going to speak about the retirement, let's speak about starting a business. Let's speak about livestock, things that we can carry on. So we start building that, 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 that old money. So that black tax doesn't become an issue anymore. It doesn't become something that, you know, is, 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 is an expected or responsibility but becomes a naughty thing that people do you know and that's where we need to get to i love that you said that and you're such a marketer like <laughs> everything you're saying i'm like yeah no that's, <laughs> that's a marketer um for anyone who's listening and i mean you and me exist on the social media space yeah someone might say this sounds like an awfully racial conversation yeah what would you say to them it's not racist um the one thing that people need to understand is that there are certain things that are done in a certain way take for example you um you look at a, a child who's from soweto if they have to compete with another child that lives in a Bryanston, just transport on its own getting to a job in santon that child from soweto is going to spend at least 80 percent or even 60 percent of their salary spending on transport right then we say no don't get a car you can't afford so now how how early do it's not just now the money it's an emotional and psychological investment that they've got to make just to get to the job to pay them the one from Bryson just simply drives here yeah, and Humanat, right so it's it's structurally until we break the structures that perpetuate most conversations to be racial we can never call anything racial the reality is that there are structures out there in the workplace, in, in, when you walk in the street, um, so even psychological uh, 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 what's the word? perceptions from people. You walk into the same shop, you walk into a shop, the, the, the teller is going to treat you differently than the way they treat a white person. Why? Because, you know, you're the friend, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to act up. Because you're supposed to understand, right? So until we can get rid of that and start on a playing field, all of us at the bottom, every conversation is always going to sound racial because the reality is that it is what it is. Okay. 
So I am someone who just had a job. I just quit my job. I want to start a business. What are the financial things I need to know and do? In the beginning, before I do anything, what do I need to know and do? <laughs> you need to have an exit strategy when you leave your job. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing worse than a, an entrepreneur that's going to put pressure on their business to make money. Because when you do that, you miss out on everything that is supposed to build your business. Um, so the first thing that you need to do is have an exit strategy. Yeah, we, you know, most of what we say when we talk about business and personal finance and fin and business finance is we, we, do, we do contradict ourselves, right? And the reason why we contradict ourselves is because everyone's situation won't look the same. So what happens if you don't have that exit strategy or you are starting from the bottom, seeing as we're saying, mm, can't be unemployed, gotta start a business, right? <laughs> um, I think you need to, you, financially, what you need to do is you need to teach yourself how to sell. And, and people might not see that as a financial thing or, uh, you know, but your money is going to come from your ability to sell or not because you are selling all the time. You're selling yourself. You're selling who you are. You're selling your skill. You're selling your business service. You're selling the business. You're selling, you, you are constantly selling at all times. So financially, I would say uh, uh, all entrepreneurs need to go and learn how to sell. Robert Kiyosaki speaks about this. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki is another person that I'm not really like. <laughs> but I'm like whatever. We're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. he talks about um um when he this lady who came to him and she was writing a book and she said she wanted to be um the best selling author and she was putting too much effort into the actual book mm. and he said to her that's not what you're supposed to do. What you need to do is to put effort into the selling of the book, right? So because what you want to become is the best selling author, not the best author. I get it. There's it, right? So I think uh, a lot of entrepreneurs really need to learn how to sell. If you, if you don't have the guts to sell, don't become an entrepreneur. Leave it alone because we are constantly selling. You bump into people, you're finding an opportunity to sell. Um, the third thing that I think you need to do is, is to understand that when you start a business, you are creating, you are, you're playing God, right? You are creating a, a person. Mm -hmm. And we, we, when you register it, it becomes a juristic person, right? Um, so you need to be God for your business in the incubation stage. Same way your parents become a parent to you, you've got to play that role. And it's, it's important that you play that role because you need to take care of your business. You need, so you have to understand that there is going to be some level of taking care of your business up until your business can actually stand on its own financially. Mm -hmm. So, but what does that mean? That doesn't mean that you keep pumping money into your business when you can see you don't have a business model that works. Guys, <laughs> some ideas are amazing. But they are not commercially viable. And it's okay to accept that. It's okay that... And sometimes it's not that they're not commercially viable. It's that you are not the right person for that business, right? So if you don't want to lose money, which is probably the, one of the most important lessons in a business, don't lose money. I see people purporting ideas about if you're a business person, you understand what losing money is. Hey, Akonamutu goes into business with the idea of wanting to lose money. I don't care what lessons losing money comes. Nobody goes into a business with an idea of losing money. So why are you even thinking in that direction? Why do you even have that type of a sentiment? So if your business is not commercially viable, if the projections don't sangana, and let make sure that those projections are seen by an actual accountant or a business analyst. Because sometimes we are too much into ourselves and our ideas that we don't see good. There's nothing here, you know? So make sure that your business is, is going to make money. Because why? People are like, oh, I got a business because you got passion. Yeah, look, 
Passion is passion has to be there. Vele. There's, there's no one who goes into business got no passion. But I went into a coaching sports because I needed to I needed a cash cow for my business. Uh, the business that I'm currently doing now, the brand of communications, I'm not gonna walk in and tell clients I'm passionate about brand communications. No, I'm not, right? There might be something that I'm passionate about that I'm trying to fund. And I don't wanna go to an investor, I don't wanna go to the bank. So I've gotta do something. But at the same time, does that business make sense? Now, I'm not saying run a business that you don't like, but at the same time, it's got to it, it, it gotta have potential to make money or else you're going to start hating it. You're going to get to a point where you think that passion is not enough because it's not making you money. I think the, 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 the third thing, that, the, or fourth, I don't know where I am, fourth, yeah. is do your taxes. Jeez, come on, guys. Guys, maybe it's because I've been arrested before right and maybe that's why i ask i write about it in my book then one of the chapters in my book is uh financial lessons from a jail cell <laughs> i got arrested <laughs> whatever um you go only have you have to buy the book to know why um but i didn't do anything wrong i, tr- I promise you <laughs> so um i'm because of that i am i am a legally bind uh, what's a legal what a law abiding citizen oh. guys in pay your taxes okay but pay as little as possible, right? Uh, don't evade tax, but try as best as possible to use tax incentives. And there are many, especially for small businesses in South Africa. Yes, we're one of the highest taxed countries in the world, but use what is available. Now, how do you get, how do you tap into a market like that? Um, business incubators are always teaching this. Guys, learn how to barter. Learn how to exchange trades because that is the only way where your business is going to actually find a way to survive. Um, it breaks my heart. Oh, yes. Now, when you're a creative, designers, marketing people, you know, you creative people, right? It's not enough that you're good. It's not. It will never be. We don't care how good you are. Is what you are giving us value for money? And are you running your business properly? Because and can you sell it? And can you sell it? Because you, you may, like for instance, um, okay, let me not go there. But <laughs> um, you, may, you may be good at what you do, but you are frustrated. Now, can you run a business when you're frustrated? Because you're not getting the right clients and the right funding. Can you still be able to service the people that are actually your current clients? Small as they may be, they deserve the same type of respect and the same type of attention you would give these big clients that you are gunning for. But can you do it when you are frustrated? When you are running the ship by yourself? Probably not. So get somebody to run that thing for you. Do what you do best. So that you are constantly happy. So that you can give the best that you are. Because there's no way you're going to graphic design me a poster. You just, your proposal got rejected again. You know, so, yeah. I, I think the biggest lesson, financial lesson that I can ever say about business, don't lose money. Um, uh, and be financially literate, man. Like, guys, remember that in as much as you're creating a juristic person, you are running that ship. So when you, when investors and business and banks look at you they look at you as two people that are coexisting and working together so if you on the other side are losing in life it means that your business is also going to lose 
It, no, no games. Do your taxes. Do some trade-offs. Okay, just a quick question. Etiquette while working with brands. So by that I mean, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to pitch my business, how wh- what's the etiquette? How am I supposed to behave? Because I've seen a lot in pictures. I've seen a lot just in like the working environment, you know, with freelancers and stuff. That the etiquette is not there. Let's talk about how important is etiquette and what is it? How do we behave? Look, I think the first thing is you got to take yourself seriously. Um, even if the people in the room don't take you seriously. You've got to take yourself seriously. You've got to understand how you made it into that room. It, it, it should not be based on the fact that somebody's feeling sorry for you, right? And even if they do, change the narrative, right? So I think how you carry yourself as an entrepreneur is very important. And this is not about aesthetics. People think that you must wear a suit. You, no, it's you walk into that meeting, you're prepared. You know exactly what that meeting is about. And you know the people in the room. There's one thing I do, and it irks people, because when I go into the room, I tell them things that they think I didn't know about them, because I will Google stalk you, right? Walk into, give people the respect that you want them to give you. So know people's names. Don't walk into a room and say, Konje, what's your name? You know? And when they introduce themselves, try and listen. Write it down if you must. It's not, it's not shameful to do those things and be honest. I think the other, I mean, I was having a conversation, as I said yesterday, when I went to a meeting at a financial institution and this marketing lady is telling me about how she hired this chef guy for a 850 uh, packs event to do catering. And on the day, he didn't pitch up. Do you understand how embarrassing it is for her, but also the reputational damage that you have now just done for yourself. It's okay to walk away from deals, you know? It's really okay to say, guys, I am... So excited about the consideration. I'm happy that you guys have considered me, which means that I'm moving in the right direction. But this one, friends, is not for me. They will call you again. They will call you again, but they will not call you again if you mess up. So it's, it's, and it's the same thing that I always talk about when it comes to your debt. If you've got a, a card debt that you can no longer service, rather go and say, I can't service this debt anymore. Rather than first getting into arrears, first getting into becoming a bad credit, uh, uh, having a bad credit account, and then trying to... My father always says you can never be, you can never talk yourself out of something you behaved yourself into. So even in business, you've got to understand that if you have behaved your way into something, there's no way you'll be able to talk yourself out of it. So the other thing my mother said to me is never give anybody a reason to doubt you. Never give people a reason to doubt you. Never give people a reason to undermine you, right? People will do it, but don't give them the reason. Don't give them the ammunition. That tomorrow when somebody's talking to label, they're like, yeah, and the other day she did this and this and this. Rather let people saying, yeah, yes, and you can't get And then if the other person says, why? I'm going to be reasons that person to be able to say why, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, 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 the, that's the, what the first thing. The second thing is understand your value. Understand what you are bringing to the table. Understand how you fit in into the mold. Understand value proposition. Guys, come on. What is value proposition? Value proposition is what am I giving to these people that they are willing to give me a chance to actually acquire it financially, right? So if, if, for instance, I do financial education, if I'm sitting with the likes of a standard bank, 
I need to be able to show them why they need to work with me or why it would be important for them to work with me or why it would be valuable for them to work with me, right? Versus another person or versus somebody else or versus not working with me at all. So you've got you've to give brands an understanding. It's not enough to say you bump into, and this is what a lot of people do, they bump into a brand manager of a certain brand just because they are brand manager. Oh, we should work together. No, guys, because one day that person might call you and say, let's now, you said we should work together, let's work together. Now you've got nothing to show them, right? So it's important that at the same time, you've got to put yourself in the other, sh- other uh, chair. So luckily for me, I worked as an agency. So we used to scrutinize proposals we were brutal right we would sit across you in the room and say okay so what you're offering my clients you know what i mean so you've got to sit in the other seat and listen to yourself and ask yourself if you were the marketing manager of that brand would you be interested and keen to work with this person as i said yesterday i sat with these ladies and 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 just based on my numbers it was oh we want to work with you so for them, they will read. I didn't even need to pitch that part. I, I came with a different angle. They were just like, listen, the people you're talking to, those are our people. We want to talk to them. So it's important to do that. And I think the last thing, when you walk into a room, stop, stop downplaying yourself. Stop undervaluing yourself. Because when, once you do that, you create a precedence. So it's about what you say in that meeting that's going to be important. It's not about, no, we're keen, we're willing to do whatever. No, you're not willing to do whatever. Say what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Stop with price prostitution, guys. And that's what a lot of us do when we walk into rooms because we say it's for the long run. It's, there is a, you can still build a relationship and still give your clients competitive prices. You taking a, a smaller price is not, or a smaller rate is not you building a relationship. Trust me, because you are never going to be top of mind. Give your clients the price that is the value of the work you're going to do. You're going to do. If they don't take it, it means that that relationship was never ordained. Come on, please understand that it is never going to work. I have. I'm sorry. Maybe somebody else might disagree on this. Uh, I have never had sustainable clients that I have undervalued myself or under costed they've never come back they don't and if they do they may come back once or twice and you know what when they come back the day before the thing the event you end up being the last resort at all times because they see you as that person they see you as the person that will take anything so it's important that people must stop especially entrepreneurs you need for before you walk into a room you need to already have played around with prices and rates that you feel equal or correlate to the value that you are able to give a client. Also, because it is a psychological thing, that thing. If I am deriving 60,000 rand for a campaign from a certain client, and then I walk into another client and they're like, they only have 10,000 rand, you are never going to give the same value. And that is problematic because in the room or whoever is watching might be your next potential client. Now they are watching you give this very less value type of work for that campaign. And they're like, ah, we can't work with Nicolette. Mm. Do you understand? Because psychologically you tricked yourself. You screwed yourself basically. So I always say rather there are some financial opportunities that you must let go of. You, 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 and that's being an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur is supposed to be tactical and strategic. 
right? You should have a blueprint that you work according to. And on that blueprint, if you're sitting in the meeting, you're ticking off. Yes, okay, this client respects me. This client is, is uh, one's value. This client is clear on what they want. Like, do you know what agencies do to us these days? You walk into a room and they're like, we want to use you. Okay, sharp, Ferry, for what? No, I think we should brainstorm. Uh-uh, that's your job. Okay? Okay, that is your job. So you know what I do in meetings? I keep quiet. Unless I have, I'm the one who has, who has come to clients and said, this is what I'd like to do. If you call me into a room, it's, it's your job to sell me your business because you called me into the room. We're not doing each other favors. We're not. The reason why I called a label lion into the room and I said, label, I think there might be a synergy for us to do a podcast. I called you into the room. Therefore, it is my meeting and I must make it valuable for you. Right? Then you will plug in and say, actually, you know what? I do see the synergy. I think it's something we can work on. But you cannot walk into a room. Stop. You are selling yourself short. You are putting yourself immediately in a very hierarchical position and you are not the one who's on top. I can see why you're so triggering for people on, uh, on annoying, Twitter. Right? Because you tell the truth. <laughs> and the truth hurts. It hurts, man. It hurts so much. Okay, talking about social media. Yeah. How did you grow your platform? Because I think people might think, oh, she's on TV, so it was easy. She just put her name and then boom, it grows. Did you have to put effort into your social media? And how important is it to have a social media profile as a personal brand? You know, social media was one of the reasons why I was able to actually move into the spaces. It was never the other way around. Um, and, and let's have a frank conversation. I, I started social media, um, especially Facebook, um, my Facebook page, and it, it was built around content. My, my, my strategy was put enough and put the right content and people will follow you. Granted, I boosted my stuff. And, and we're gonna have, if we're gonna have a friend conversation, I boosted. By boosting, you mean you paid Keep for it. Keep at it, yeah. babes. Keep, I put money behind my stuff. Long enough that people started recognizing me and giving me the attention. Then I stopped. Because then I said, if my content is not carrying this, maybe there's something wrong and broken about my business proposition. And that was it, you know? So if you if you want to build, you, you, there's, there's various strategies. The thing is, not everybody, not, not everybody needs to use the same strategy when it comes to social media. And that is very important because people think that they're just going to look at a label, Namsing and Zama podcast, you know? No, babes, perhaps maybe your strength is not in podcasting, right? So maybe your strength is not in building a Facebook page and a Facebook following and a social media following. But there are other ways in which you are absolutely amazing. So I think it's very important that people understand the intricacies of social media and how to build an audience on social media. But one strategy that I can definitely tell you that will build your social media is content is king. You give people what they want, people will go and get and, and come and get, fetch what they want. But you can't constantly, and, and I actually, I was, I, I did, a, I was challenging myself this morning and I'm, and I'm, I'm still not 100% sure. I don't have a single video where I say, please go and watch. I don't, I don't think so. I'll check, but I don't believe in that. I believe in people watching and thinking, ah, this resonates with me and maybe a friend of mine, let's share or let's CC this person, right? Mm -hmm. so, so social media marketing, you need to decide whether you're a social media marketer or you are a content creator. 
Thank you. And if you're a social media marketer, you need to go and study how social media marketing works. Or you bring on board someone who understands it. That's how you build. You're not going to build your audience trying to do social media marketing at the same time you're trying to push content, right? If you're a content creator, you need to understand what are the trends in content creation? What, what works? What doesn't work? I mean, how many times have people... And even in, 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 in brand meetings, I fight this. Brands will call you in and say, Oh, we love you, Nicolette. You are so real. You're so true. And, and that is the wooing phase, right? They woo you and you're in and you're like, let's do the content. Then they, in the next meeting, now you've signed. They're like, yeah, but can you make your videos two minutes? Mm. And then you're like, no, I will not make my videos two minutes. Let me tell you why. The reason why my videos work is because they're as long as they are and because people like them. Now, a content and marketing person will come and tell you, no, your videos are too long. Right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But it doesn't work for me to do. And I've done them. And, 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 and I do this in, in brand meetings. I show them the two-minute videos. And I'm like, look at the engagement. People have bought into Nicolette being a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Now, I cannot tell a story in two minutes and give a listen. Mm-hmm. So, for me, what works is the nine-minute videos. It's the 20-minute videos. They work. Right? So, it's important that you... And I always say, you know, in as much as we'd like to do everything, we'd like to become slashers, we'd like to cut costs because we don't want to do too... We don't want to uh, outsource too many things. You're going to get to a point where you're going to have to. Because there are certain people that are experts in certain fields and you've got to understand that, right? I always say to people, um, I have had to go through the journey of editing my own stuff so that when I hire you and you're doing yours, I'm going to call you out very quickly, right? Now you're going to tell me that editing a video is going to cost me 10,000. Nah, babes, it doesn't cost 10,000 rand, right? Unless you are making a, a... Motion, whatever they call them, these beautiful me talking to camera. No, you can't. Just dropping a name. You know what I mean. But I've had to do it myself to be able to understand those things. I know that at some point I'm gonna get to a point where I need to outsource that and get someone else to do it, right? So it's for me. How do you build your social media? You do what you do. You stay authentic and you stop chasing the numbers. Because let me tell you something else about numbers. Sometimes, and this is what always confuses me: the people on Twitter. Who come for me all the time. People that follow me. Why are you following me? Do you know what I, I celebrate on Twitter? When I see someone is blocked me. You know why? Because then I don't have to get into a trial with that person. Because they don't see my content that annoys them. Great stuff. Me and you are good. Because then you don't have to deal with a Nicolette. Can you imagine logging into a social media platform and then you got to deal with someone you don't like? Because you're following them. So the numbers are not always reflective of what value you actually bring to the table. Right? Mm-hmm. You can have great numbers because you... And, uh, and here, this is what happens. Sometimes on Instagram, my numbers are because of a bikini picture. <laughs> not because when you call it to say, they to understand. So those are the kind of things that you got to always understand and, 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 and follow. But you will only understand that when you've brought in somebody who understands content creation and marketing and can say to you, uh, babes, your engagement is not great, eh? So I don't know how much of influencing you are actually doing. And those are some hard pills that you've got to swallow. That's why I find with brands who will bring... Uh, <laughs> this happened to me. Bring a bunch of celebrities, <laughs> include me, and then say, you can't charge this because even a, a label lion who's got 500,000 followers is not charging that. And I'm like, yeah, but label lion's audience is not curated. So I don't care what label lion's follow looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you value. Mm-hmm. So you either buying into my value proposition or you're not. 
And if you are not, please, by all means, let's still smile at each other when we see each other at Rocket. Because, it, and that brings me to a conversation that I got the collaboration. Guys, <laughs> you guys realize that sometimes we don't collaborate because I'm doing you a favor. Because maybe I'm a crappy person and I know myself and I'm working, doing some self work on myself. Because, for instance, I, I've run my businesses by myself and I'm not saying this is me, but I've run my businesses by myself, right? For a very long time. So there's quite a lot of things that I would like done my way. Okay? If we collaborate, it's going to be a disaster, right? And sometimes it's okay to understand it. And then also on the other side, it's okay to understand that you might see the synergy. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, understand that. So those are things that are, are very, very important that <laughs> entrepreneurs need to realize. I'm going to leave that one at that. I've got a very tough question for you. Ask me. Oh, yeah. Yesterday I was asked why I was... Um, what? You were so... So eager to share your, your helper salary. When are you gonna tell us how much you make? Oh my gosh. I was like, babes, anxiety. Social media etiquette, people need to learn that thing. Yeah. Because they just they're like it's their mother's house. But that's a conversation yeah. for another yes. day. Ask me this difficult question. Okay. Entrepreneurs often debate with me about what's more important. The finance part of your business or the marketing side? Which one comes first? Ah, oh, that's funny because we um when I worked um in the agency, one of our clients' CEO used to call us the fun and games department. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh? <laughs> so, so here's, here's, here's what. I believe in targeted marketing. Mm-hmm. So don't market for the sake of marketing. Right? Um, because you don't want to sell what you are not to the wrong people. Because those are the people that are going to sit on social media and call you out. Right? So the other day they were calling out somebody that I really respect and they were like, oh, apparently when you meet him, he's not what he is or what he puts out, right? And that is because there's a very big issue in this country about overly PRing yourself, mm-hmm. right? I always say, I won't take a radio interview unless there's something I've got to say, unless there's something I've got to show, right? In the same breath, marketing is so important I mean, there's a, a very cliche saying that everybody in marketing knows that if uh, what a company that doesn't do marketing is like a man that winks at a girl in a dark, in a oh, yeah. dark room, yes. right? <laughs> marketing gives you a foot in, but your brand and everything else will carry you and then your work will sustain you. Mm-hmm. That for me is very important. So it's got to go in that, in, that, in, that, in that direction. Because look, in South Africa... How many small businesses are there really? People, you know, government always comes at Sona and talks about how, oh, we need more entrepreneurs. We have a lot. <laughs> no, we don't need any more. What we need is to build sustainable small businesses, right? The business, uh, small business space needs to grow and it can only grow through business. Give us work so we will work. There's so many entrepreneurs who just want to work, right? Mm. But it, the reason why you will always see the same people getting the jobs and you're going to get frustrated, right? Because the same people keep getting the jobs. It's because they essentially got something right. They essentially got top of mind. But you must remember that it doesn't make them better than you. It doesn't mean their businesses are better than yours. It just means that they are top of mind. And the reality of, that's why I say targeted marketing. Who are you marketing to? If, let's say for instance, I'm a B2B company. Why am I fighting hard to be in magazines? Why? 
Because my B2B means that I need to find the events that the lady <laughs> who I need to speak to in the business is at, right? Mm. Targeted marketing, placing yourself in the right space in the right time. That's how you do marketing. That's how you make sure your business is top of mind. And if, if that strategy doesn't work because you don't have access to those people, you then do it the other way around. You make sure that whatever you are doing in your business, you do it so well, you use word of mouth or you use networking, right? So again, marketing, you see the beauty of marketing, and it's funny because I always say this, we can copy everything from each other. We can copy ways to do it. Right. Uh, if if uh, and and you see it in the banking sector, if one bank comes out with an uh, uh, electronic what cash send or e wallet, yeah, exactly. the others will follow suit, even if they name it something else. But they'll never all do the same marketing thing. Mm, never. They won't. That's how powerful marketing is. Right. Marketing is exclusive, which means that there are various ways in which you can market. It's about what what do you want to achieve for your business? What do you want? Because it means nothing. Me. <laughs> And we had a, a very classical example. We had somebody very famous in this country um, positioning her, her alcohol brand mm-hmm. to a bunch of people. <laughs> now, <laughs> you've got to now ask yourself the question of, do I just want to be associated? Because we love association in this country also. Mm-hmm. Or do I want a financial Sales. trade? Yeah. You know? So what type of marketing are you doing? Mm. Who are you marketing to? Does that person have final say? That for me is important. That for me is what entrepreneurs need to understand. So, can I swear? Yeah, you can swear. Who gives two shits if you are, every month you are in the newspaper or you are in a magazine, if you are not trading? We fail in cyberspace. If we don't file, they'll come after us. Why? Because our businesses actually trade. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Um, it's, it's, it's so crucial that when you are doing the part of marketing, you don't forget what the business is about. Mm-hmm. And, and also remember that you, you, you also, at the same time, you've got to understand why you're doing certain things. Are you marketing your business or are you marketing yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to be a celebrity entrepreneur or are you trying to market the business? Mm. Who, who, which brand are you working? I always fight my brand with my clients because I'm like, there's brand Nicolette, then there's brand financial fitness bunnies. Right? Right now, I want financial fitness bunnies to thrive. I ain't trying to build Nicolette because that's, I did that. Mm. I did it. I, 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 I've given you guys the comfort that I know what I'm doing. Mm. So now give my, 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 my company. So this thing, I would say, not even the business. What, what are you doing? Yeah. What was the intention? Intention is important. Powerful. Uh, one thing you like to talk about on your YouTube videos mm. is dating and finance. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna pick up my phone. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's, I love that you do that because I don't think people actually see the value of yeah who you date, how that affects your finances, and then you also talk about staying in your financial lane. Let's talk about that dating and finance, staying in your financial lane. I think the first thing we need to do is to we need to be able to have a conversation about money without getting emotional, right? But money, 80% of money is emotions. So it becomes very difficult to have a... Because ultimately, financial education is about the numbers. Does it make sense? Does this person give a positive impact on my numbers? Mm. So for instance, I always say, 
somebody was asking the question about insurance and why insurance wants to get your bank statement after you've had an accident, especially like at 5 a.m. on 5 a.m. 5 a.m. on like a Sunday morning. Clearly, obviously, you are out. You must have swiped for alcohol, so they are gonna make assumption. And or why do they give you a bad premium if you live in a, 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 the township, a, a township mm-hmm. right? Now, nobody wants to have those conversations because they're difficult to have. But the reality is that insurance is a wager. It's a bet. You are saying, I am going to have an insurable event. And when I do, I want you guys to come and pay for it. They are saying, yeah, we're hoping it doesn't happen. Right? They're not your friend. They're not your friend. They're saying, "Uh, okay, we hear you, but we we are saying it's not going to happen. So anything that endangers that stance of theirs, they're going to have to some way penalize you right so it's the same thing as a human being when you're living your life you've got to say to yourself that best friend of mine that i had who's a financial liability at some point i'm gonna have to let go of them because it's the numbers so why are you purposely going to date someone who's a danger for your numbers i mean it's it's not even about them making you spend you know it's not a thing of them making you spend it's a thing of how do they think? Because somebody, I don't believe there's, there, there are people that can literally take your hand and say, I'm a swiper. Mm. But it's their ambiance, it's their aura, it's the way they think, the way they talk. That's what financial lane is about. It's about, am I, am I with somebody who has gone through their issues with money? They've, mm. they've established a proper relationship. Because the thing is, people have issues when it comes to money. I don't want to date somebody that I'm going to find out later on. Do you understand? Because I go in dating somebody, believing that I'm going to help you become financially successful. Now, I'm not going to help you become financially successful. Hence why for me, it's important then that I date somebody who is on the same thinking level and the same financial literacy level and acumen as me. So... You know, people people then get emotional and they think, no, Nicolette says rich people must date rich people, <laughs> poor people. There's a reason why rich people want their kids to date rich people. Thank you. About badly that poverty mentality, Arona. They don't want it because they know you are going to become a an enemy of success. Thank you. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's so for me, it is really guys. Relationships, mm-hmm. y'all think relationships are just about love? You lie to yourselves. Factor in money problems and see how much of your love is going to, to carry your that relationship. Two more questions. The first one is, what's your definition of a disruptor? Okay. I think a disruptor for me is that person that moves into uncomfortable spaces. It's somebody that says, I don't, I don't subscribe to the status quo. I refuse to subscribe. And if I do subscribe to the status quo, here's my approach to it. So a disruptor to me is somebody that is willing to pull sleeves up and get into the mess, get into the dirt and say, I understand things a certain way and I am working towards making that way work. A disruptor is somebody that doesn't just accept things for what they are. They've got to come in and they've got to shake things up. Um, it reminds me of the Volvo ad. Uh, Volvo had an ad in Sweden. Uh, Super Bowl, biggest night. I mean... Jeez, how many eyes are even on just on the TV, television station, right? Um, television set. What Volvo did is Volvo said, we don't have money for a marketing campaign. But we know there's going to be cars, car brands that are going to push marketing campaigns, right? Spend how much? 
I mean, just to be on a on a screen. What's that? Squeeze back. Yeah. Of a, of of a, a, on Super Bowls, gonna millions set you back millions. Yeah. So Volvo and their agency decided that they're going to do a social media campaign. Every single time you see another car brand, do a, a, an advert. Barking, uh, tweet Volvo. The impressions were crazy, mm-hmm. right? I think they were. It was the, the. I can't remember what the hashtag, but it was about who would you give a Volvo to. Mm. So every single time you saw a car brand, tweet us about who you would give a Volvo to. Lebo, it went crazy. That's disrupting. Mm. That's saying I'm not gonna just accept the status quo that we don't have a budget. What other way can we look at this? What is the alternative? And I think when you're a disruptor, you 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 believe in what I spoke about that there is no absolute to everything. That again, other than war. There's no absolute. There is, it's, 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 it's potentially viable that there's two truths that can exist, two or more truths. So just, and, 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 I, and I use an example. I, I had a, a, a YouTube uh, video with Mpumile Duaba mm. and it was about financial education. And at some point we were speaking about cars and she said she would never pay off a car. Now I said they gobsmacked, right? But I had to quickly understand something. This is a stance that she's understood. This is a stance that probably, and she, I think she said it was her dad who taught her this. Mm-hmm. Your father, your hero has taught you this, right? How does Nicolette come in and say this is wrong? Mm-hmm. You know? And when she does the numbers, it makes sense to her. When I do the numbers, I'm like, uh, it's not really something that I would an approach. It's okay for those two truths to, be, to, to coexist. And it's okay. And there's a lot about financial education that for me doesn't have to, you, you, you gotta take what you take and you gotta leave what you leave, right? Mm-hmm. And being a disruptor is about that. It's about understanding that just because you are right doesn't mean I'm wrong. I'm allowed to do things the way I feel they should be done. And ultimately, a disruptor is about impacting people's lives. If you're not doing anything for me to impact people's life, what are you disrupting? Disruptor, disruptor, tweet, crazy war. Is that what you're disrupting? It's, it, it goes back to that thing of you're an influencer. What are you influencing? You know, what exactly are you actually influencing? When, when, when somebody, when a child has to explain what you do, what will they say? Will they say you are that celebrity that puts up nice pictures with expensive clothes? Or are they going to say, sure, label gives us conversations we didn't want to talk about? You know, so when you're disrupting, you've got to impact someone's life, and you and, and at some point you're gonna to have to choose whether it's negatively or positively. Okay, I lied. I said two, but it's actually two more questions. <laughs> um, top tip that you'd give an entrepreneur, financial tip of what they should do for the rest of 2019. Yeah, hey, <laughs> spend time doing a business audit and a lifestyle audit. You might be the problem for your business. So spend some time, take, take some time off and ask yourself those difficult questions that you, you would get offended if someone asked you. It's in your own space. Answer them. Ask yourself if you truly are the right person for your business and to carry your business. And what is your business's, uh, 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 what does your business believe in? What is, what are the, what is the, va- what the values that you guys are centered on? Mm. For your, whether it's you just by yourself running the business or you've got employees. What is the true center that you guys always gravitate towards? Mm. Businesses have to become, they have to be value centric now, you know? Businesses have to be corporate citizens 
but they've got to be citizens. You know, they're going to be responsible citizens. So it's not enough that you are making good money. It's not enough that you are moving into great spaces and you're inspiring a lot of people. But at the at, and in meetings or in people's homes, people are saying, "Oh, I mean, I'm never able to work with Nicolette." Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think do do a lifestyle audit on yourself. Do a business audit. Ask yourself if the business is even viable, or have you been pushing something that is breaking you? You know, I. <laughs> I love it when people talk about entrepreneurship and they talk about how it's hard and and how it's and I'm not saying it's not hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. Life is hard. Mm. Working in corporate is hard. What is not hard, you know? I hate the narrative that entrepreneurship is so hard. Oh my goodness, you got to got to stick together as entrepreneurs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Entrepreneurship can also be great. You know, and that's that's a narrative that we need to start pushing as people. We need to start uh, re-looking at the way we talk, looking at what we do. Yesterday, I so my, from Monday on, I've been crying. You know, I've been calling my parents, saying I'm bullied. I'm literally bullied on Twitter, and I called some friends, and I, I literally have been a mess emotionally. You know. And I said, people are actually taking their gossip sessions that they have with their friends normally, like on WhatsApp, and they bring them out in the open, you know? And they don't bother to talk to you, you know, they're talking about you, right? And it hurts, and it's a fact, it hurts, you know, to be able to see those kind of things where you're being called names. There's so many inaccuracies that people are just throwing around, mnandi, by a pila right? And I almost partook in the same thing yesterday. And I had to pull myself towards myself so quickly. And I was like, for the past two days, Bokala, about this exact thing you're about to do. Stop. Recognize that you are this, that person who might be the problem. Yesterday, I walked away from a, what could have probably been a gossip session that people were having about someone I know. And I said, I can't. This is. I like you guys, but I'm not going to do this with you. So self-awareness is also important as an entrepreneur. It's, it's, it's very important for you to understand which part of you could potentially be the problem. How do, you, how, do you, how, how do you position yourself as a person? What do you say to people? How are you annoying people? You know, sometimes we think that oh, it's my life. I can say whatever. It's my Twitter. It's my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Say whatever I want. And this is not, what, it's not an endorsement. And what mm-hmm. I, yeah. But people will treat you the way they perceive you. And that's important for you to remember. Mm. So we're not saying become what people want you to become, even in business. What we're saying is know your truth, stick to your truth, and be consistent. Mm. As, as I was, yesterday I was so upset, I was even tweeting in Sepulana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. And one of the things I said was like, you know, it's funny, like when they meet you in public, they'll greet you like you're their cousin, forgetting all, mm. all the things they were saying about you. And you're like, They'll even ask you for financial advice. But yeah, um, I think be consistent. I mean, if if and and be truthful to yourself as an entrepreneur. You know, if it's something that you know you cannot do, don't do it. If it's something that you know you can do, do it. You are as good as your word. So, what's in store for Nicolette Mashile and at the Fitness Bunny? Where can people find you? All right. So, we're writing a book. Um, it's called What's Your Move. Basically, it, it's changing the narrative of you are bad at money. It says, no, no, 
you, you can be good you know you can be good the question that we're going to ask you is then what is your move what's the next thing that you're going to do now that you know that you can be good now that you know that you you can look like the people that you aspire to mm. right what then is your next move so that book should be coming out in september i'm putting myself really Ooh, under pressure exciting i'm trying to catch my birthday because i made a financial decision last year i'm not gonna buy myself a car which is what i wanted so that i could delay and be able to do this mm. so that should be coming out i've got a game a board game also um it's called save or spend oh um it basically teaches you about saving and spending and and when to make the decision to spend or to save right um so that should be coming out probably at the end of the year <laughs> see I was so passionate about that board game, right? I've been doing, I've been working on this board game since last year, but I had to stop and say, is this commercially viable? Do you understand? I had to ask myself that question. Then I had to stop and say, until I've got a, a proper commercial model for this, we're not doing it, mm. right? So that's what's also coming up. Um, I'll be doing some work with a lot of brands. I'm quite excited about that. There's one specific one that I'm working on with Norox. It's about women empowerment, getting women to invest. That's that is like very close to my heart. Mm. Um, but other than that, um, I'm hoping that financial fitness bunnies, the agency, now can start to pick up and start to conceptualize ideas for for for, for my for my clients B2B. Remember, guys, please need B2B mina. I will become B2C when I start selling you books, but for now I'm B2B. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that we can start conceptualizing some ideas and pitching and being able to do what we do best. So I want to merge my two companies, um, obviously the brand activations and events company with what I do in financial fitness bunnies so that the one can hire the other. You see, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I mean, I was so excited when you said yes. Yeah, I didn't know you would. I was like, oh my god! Please. Why would I never? You like amazing. You're like a unicorn on the timeline. I'm always like, we need more people to tell the truth. Oh well, I, I also trigger people. It's okay. Apparently, I'm a classist. Oh, and I hate poor people. Ooh. So you know what I mean? Is it okay that we? Maybe we don't hate poor people. Maybe we just hate poverty. Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? I'm gonna tweet that and make more people angry. There is it. But thank you so much for coming. I can't wait to release this podcast for everyone to see. Good luck with the editing. There are diamonds. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> you talk a lot. I know, I do, guys. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, there's, there's so many pearls of wisdom here. Like, yo, I'm so honored. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate the invite. You know, it's, it's not... You know, a lot of people will, will, will say, why does she do this? And then you're like, yeah, but... I can't do certain things on my own. Somebody else has to invite me mm-hmm. so that you guys can actually get to know me. Because it's funny, and it goes back to the question about people saying I was so happily, I was so eager to release what my papa earns. Why am I not telling people how much earns? Oh, by the way, guys, this is how much money I make on YouTube. Babes. Because if I do that, then again I'm posting. Yes. Oprah doesn't tell us how much she earns. This tell us. We don't know. So it's peculiar. Anyway, <laughs> human beings. Human beings are human beings. Human beings are human beings. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Disruptor Series on the Lessons with Lion podcast. This episode was hosted by me at labellion underscore SA, a digital marketing strategist, SMME growth specialist, content strategist, and growth hacker. You can also view this interview on YouTube by searching for Label Lion SA. That's 
L-E-B-O-L-I-O-N-S-A. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And remember, the best way to eat an elephant is one piece at a time.